What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. She is Abby Schnabel. I'm Noah Hiles. And it's time to talk some college sports. It's been a while, Abby. We've both been on vacation, but we're back together and just in time as college football season is quickly approaching. We've got media week for the Big Ten and the ACC next week. And then it's camp time. I got one question for you, Abby. Are you ready for this? Like, are you ready for the storm that is football in Western Pennsylvania? I... On a surface level, I think I am, but I also know that I'm not because I know it's just such a different experience in Western Pennsylvania that I like am very excited for. And I think I'm ready, but when it rolls around, it's probably going to be a little overwhelming. But it's it's going to be so great just to kind of see everything with fresh eyes, whether it's, you know, not just Pitt football and, and Penn State football, but also like Whippeal football and the Steelers. And, and, you know, I've never really lived in big football towns. And so it's pretty exciting to uh, get to see it all and watch it all start playing out. Like I can see everything building and building and building. And, and that's just you know, an experience I'm not going to take for granted. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, some of that fun is included at the collegiate level, Penn State and Pitt, both uh, some really interesting seasons ahead, I think, where you have two opposite things, where Pitt is looking to replace the bulk of its star players that helped win a conference championship a couple years ago. The, the most successful two-year run this program has seen in over a decade, you could argue multiple decades, uh, most of those guys are gone, so it's time for the new wave, really. Whereas Penn State, this has the chance to be the biggest season in the James Franklin era. Both of these teams are going to be in competitive leagues again. Um, one of the league, it's it's pretty clear who the front runners are. I guess it's clear in both leagues, but I feel like one's a little bit more open than the other. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's talk about that. Let's start there. We will be voting, I will be voting, all the media in attendance for these respective media weeks will vote in the preseason polls. I'll have a vote for the ACC poll. I'll tell you where I have, where I'll probably be picking Pitt. Um, but, but first, I want to hear you. Where do you think the Panthers come in in the preseason ACC poll? And where do you have Penn State coming in in the preseason Big Ten poll? I've got Pitt coming in at fifth. Um, okay. I think they are one of the stronger teams in the ACC, and I could see them finishing uh, higher than that. I could also see them finishing lower than that. I just think there are, like you said, there are a good amount of unknowns, um, kind of starting with, you know, the guy who's leading the team, uh, Phil Dracovic. You know, we haven't really seen him in pit system yet we saw him a little bit in spring ball and sure he has some acc experience playing for bc but it i don't know it's it's just sometimes adapting to a new team takes a little bit longer and so i think a lot of where pit finishes kind of lies on his shoulders success wise i could see him kind of falling in between uh, a picket and a Slovis, it's kind of right in the middle of that spectrum it's a big difference but yeah <laughs> yeah but but you know um it's just a new quarterback can always change things, but you know, I'm optimistic for the, the Panthers and then looking at Penn state. I mean, I think you alluded to this. It's kind of clear that Michigan and Ohio state are at the top of the big 10, but I think Penn state's not too far behind. I have them finishing third, but I could see them, you know, sneaking past uh, or sneaking past either of those teams. Like you said, it's a very talented team, but it is a very young team going against some pretty experienced rosters. Um, in the Big Ten, and I think similarly to um, Pitt, a lot of it falls on their QB uh, with Drew Aller. You know, he was a five-star at high school, but it is his first 
time leading the Nittany Lions. And so it'll just be interesting to see where both teams finish because there are a, a handful of unknowns with both teams. And, and you, you, you really never know with college football. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Penn State because I agree. with. I think this could be the year where Penn State leaps one of the two that it's it struggled to leap uh, in the recent years. Um, I would probably venture to say they're closer to Ohio State than Michigan, but I, and I talked about this with Adam on North Shore Drive earlier this week. It's just kind of crazy when you think, oh, well, they got to either beat Michigan or Penn State, that the easier of the two games is beating Ohio State in Columbus. Like, that's the more favorable of the two matchups, just because I think Michigan is – head and shoulders the best team in the Big Ten and probably the second best team in the country right now entering the season. Um, but they cert- they have the talent to do it. And I wouldn't feel like if, if there were people to pick Penn State as the number two team in the Big Ten, I wouldn't call them crazy. It's just something where I'm not going to do it if I had a vote until I see it happen. I wouldn't be shocked if they go into Columbus and beat Ohio State. It's just, it, I've got to see it happen. I've got to see it happen. I mean, and, and they've beat the Buckeyes before, and it, it's brought success, but that that's just a tall task. And to be able to do that in a year where you also don't have any other blunders, it's, it's going to be demanding, but they have the team to do it. But I would probably put Penn State. Preseason third is fair. I mean, that's still, I think they're a top 10 team in the country. You can make an argument that they're maybe even like a top five team, really. Um, I think they'll probably start anywhere from like five between five and 10 in the country, number three in the big 10, um, which I think is both fair and deserved. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to be a very good football team. Pitt, on the other hand, I will probably be picking Pitt fourth and that's not, you know, me giving them any favors. I think the reason I will probably be picking Pitt a bit higher than other teams is because on paper, there is a couple reasons there are a couple reasons to be uh, skeptical if you don't follow this team if you really don't know what they have ready and waiting you look and see well how in the world are they going to replace Kalijah Kansi, Servassier Dennis, Brandon Hill, Eric Hallett, Jared Wayne, Israel Banacanda, Carter Warren I mean how are they going to replace these guys Marcus Minor but if you're familiar with the program and you look if you really do your homework you would kind of know that, yes, this team, it does not have a superstar this year. Where last year, entering the season, it had a clear-cut superstar. It had one of the best defensive linemen in the country entering the season, and he played like the best defensive lineman in the country throughout the entire year. Um, they don't have that this year. So, I yeah, but I still think this is a pit team that has a lot of depth. I think it's a team that matches up well against a lot of the ACC opponents on its schedule. Um and I think it's a team that is ready to just continue to play at that level of a eight, nine win team consistently. I would be a bit surprised if it took a little bit of a regression. And if you're going to win eight or nine games this year, if you're pit, you look at the non-conference schedule. I don't see them losing more than one, maybe two games there. So that would mean they'd have to win a lot of football games in the ACC calendar. That's why I'd pick them fourth where I see them finishing in the preseason poll. I see them coming anywhere from uh fifth to seventh. I think the two clear-cut favorites are going to be Florida State and Clemson. I anticipate it being in that order. Uh, A lot of people are high on the Seminoles, including myself. I love some of the guys they have coming back. I loved how they finished the season last year. Um, They landed some big transfers as well, some some 
high-end talent as freshmen coming in. Um, I just think that this could be one of the best years that they've seen since Jameis Winston left, honestly. Um, and then Clemson's always going to be Clemson. But really after those two, you could make an argument for number three. I, I mean, North Carolina has the best player in the conference. But who else does that team have? They have a good head coach, but I feel like they're replacing a lot. And I don't know. It, it's just we, we've seen North, we've seen this type of situation with North Carolina before where they had – Entering the year, the can't miss quarterback prospect. Uh, it was Sam Howe just a couple years ago, but that team didn't do anything in 2021. They were supposed to be, you know, Howe was supposed to be the Heisman guy, he was supposed to be a first round draft pick, he was supposed to lead the Tar Heels to win the ACC, and none of that happened. And I, would I be shocked if that kind of happened with Drake May, who I think is a better player than Sam Howe? I, yeah, or I don't think I would be as shocked. I don't think this is going to be nearly as good as a team in general as it was last year. But I think they'll probably be in the mix for that third spot. NC State adding Brendan Armstrong. That's a quarterback that's played in the ACC for a while. Very talented guy to a, a loaded program. I think they could be in the mix for that third spot. Everyone loves Miami in July. Uh, I'll just say that as far as, you know, voting. Uh, you know, we'll see where they finish in the final polls in January. But you know, this is the time of year where everyone's high on the hurricanes. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about all their NIL deals, all their big recruits, all the South Florida guys that they've got there. And, you know, half of them won't be on the team by December, but it's okay. We'll, we'll see Miami somewhere in the top half of the ACC standings because it's a tale as old as time. And then joining Pitt is kind of like the sleeper team in this year's ACC. Another team that I think could get some, some, uh, some love is Duke. I think some people are going to be really high on Duke and, when you compare those two teams who are in a similar situation, uh, I think as far as being viewed as the dark horses, there's just going to be more media there that know more about Duke than Pitt simply because of the location. There are a lot of ACC schools in North Carolina. People are going to know a lot about Riley Leonard. People are going to be high on what they did last year, how they you know kind of came out of nowhere to be a competitive team in the ACC. So I think between those four teams fighting for the third spot, you throw Pitt in that mix, I see Pitt polling at anywhere from five to seven. I personally will probably pick them fourth in the ACC. So we'll move on now uh, to our second part of this show, where obviously the, the thing about the ACC kickoff or big 10 media week is the headlines. You know, who, who, what coach is going to say something that goes viral on Twitter, you know, and you're going to have that coach Franklin and Narduzzi are never shy you know, when the, when the microphones are in their face, but there, there's more to it than that. Uh, obviously Ryan Day is going to have a lot of attention. Jim Harbaugh loves the talk as does Dabo Sweeney in the ACC. Um, but I think the two biggest storylines here, Abby, for the ACC, it's, it's clearly the media deal drama that took place over the summer, the magnificent seven meeting with lawyers to try to weasel their way out of the league. Um, and then for the big 10, it's, it's Northwestern, which has been the biggest story in college sports uh, this month. David Braun named the interim head coach after Pat Fitzgerald was fired due to a hazing scandal. Abby, I just want to ask you, which one is going to be a bigger buzz? Which is the bigger story this week? I mean, it's a, this week is is the good the good uh, qualifier there because I think when you just look at it, the bigger story is obviously Northwestern. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, Northwestern, like media people, the SIDs, kind of try and steer away from those questions. And so I don't necessarily think we're going to get a lot of headlines about that other than 
refused to comment, didn't want to comment, um, simply because, you know, they're gonna, they're really trying to get away from it because it isn't a good look on their program at all. Um, and you want to kind of usher in this new era. And so I, but this week being the qualifier, I think it's the Magnificent Seven because I think a lot of those coaches are going to be um, more willing to talk about yep. that stuff in that environment, Where whereas Northwestern is going to kind of push things away, try and steer the narrative a little bit. And, you know, I don't blame them for doing that. But I think I think because of that, uh, you're still going to see it in the headlines. You're still going to see – go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and to build off of your point, I think that – any coach in the Big Ten is going to be very quiet when it comes to that because they're just thinking, well, crap, I hope that didn't happen in my locker room. Yeah. They think it didn't. I'm sure I'm sure most of them are kind of thinking, yeah, I don't think that stuff happened, but what if it did? So I think that they're all going to kind of just be like, you know, what happened was bad. They're going to give you a very canned line, and they're not going to say much. I'm sure one person, if I had to bet any money, it would probably be Jim Harbaugh. Uh, <laughs> but – in, in, in all like reality, the, I, I really think that everyone's going to be very careful with that subject, mm-hmm. not just Northwestern and their, the athletes that they send and the coaching staff and all of their representatives. But I think that everyone in the Big Ten is going to be treading lightly with that because it's still a very raw situation. And my guess is that's probably not going to be the last college football program that has something like that come out. Yeah. That's Normally we see other things follow. So um, that's going to be a tense one. Whereas like I, like, like you said, and I will agree, I think people are going to have many thoughts on this deal <laughs> because at the end of the day, that money discrepancy, which we've talked about at nauseum on this show and we've written about a million times over the summer, that is a disadvantage. And these coaches, they're paid to win. They want to compete. Davo Sweeney wants to win championships. Mike Norvell wants to get Florida State into the college football playoff, as does Pat Narduzzi, as does does any other coach in the ACC. And when they see that the Big Ten and the SEC are making tens of millions of dollars more than them that can be used for anything to make their program better, they're going to have something to say about that. They're going to... I think that it's not going to be a, we got to get out of here type thing, but it's going to be more of, we've got to figure out a way to narrow this gap because every ACC coach wants to see an ACC team in the college football playoff, especially when it expands, they want to see multiple ACC teams. They every the, the company line, it seems is talking about how undervalued the football league is in general. And now with that $30 million discrepancy, potentially, they're going to be at an even bigger disadvantage than public perception. And that's going to be something that I think a lot of people open up about. There's going to be a lot of different takes on it. Um, But I think that that's going to be a narrative that's uh, revived, I should say, um, in the next week. And And I'm really excited to hear, you know, the different perspectives on it, because I think that, you know, some of the topics like revenue sharing or, you know, changing it up and rewarding, I'm sure, uh, you know, Clemson and Florida State, they, they would love it if the team who won the ACC in football got a bigger slice of the pie. Not sure how Boston College would feel about that. Not sure how, you know, Duke would feel about that or teams like that. So that, that'll be really interesting to follow up on. 
And I think it'd be a missed opportunity if they didn't talk right. about it. Because I think the more that they talk about it, the more there are a lot of eyes on it. And the more likely there is going to be the chance to force change. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to get a lot, hopefully, for those coaches. You're going to get a lot of that. And there's going to be a lot of questions about it. And same on the Northwestern front is, is people aren't going to not ask the questions. Um, it's just who's going to get the most answers. And I think the ACC media deal is going to get the most answers yeah you have one topic that no one wants to talk about in college football <laughs> and you have one topic that every coach uh-huh, wants exactly. to talk about because it will help they're hoping that if that can if that narrative continues if that conversation stays alive things will be better for their respective programs in the league and so yeah they're they're going to be begging i think for those questions to be asked maybe everyone but jim phillips but he's <laughs> going to have to talk about it too so we'll move on now to the third and final segment abby i just want to ask here who are your players of the year for the ACC and the Big Ten real quick? And then we'll uh, pick a couple of players from both Pitt and Penn State who we think have a chance to receive first-team preseason recognition from their respective leagues. But first, give me your uh, ACC and Big Ten player of the year preseason picks. Yeah, you already mentioned my ACC player of the year pick with Drake Main from uh, UNC. I mean, he was last year's winner. It's yeah. the favorite just simply because he's returning. Um, if I mean, he, when you look at his stats, he, he passed 4,321 yards and rushed 698. Like, those aren't stats to pat an eye at. No. And, and – you know, I think if he can keep up those numbers, uh, he's got a good chance. But like you said, a lot of the time, you know, player of the year goes to the team that's more successful. And does Cha- uh, Chapel Hill have the the chances to kind of back uh, Drake Main up? He's my pick for ACC. And then my pick from Big Ten comes out uh, comes from Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver. Um, I just think he's one of the best receivers there is right now in college football. Um, he was an All-American last season. And, and just going into another year, I think he's got a good chance to, to be a two-time or uh, be another All-American. I mean, when you look at his stats uh, – 1,263 yards, 14 touchdowns, and 13 games. Enough and more stats not to bat an eye at. Like he's my pick. I know. I know someone. Other people might pick someone from Michigan, but I just think he's one of the best receivers right now. And I just think he's got nothing but good things out of him. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in college football, not named Caleb Williams. <laughs> um, he's the real deal. However, because of his position. I don't know if people are going to vote a wide receiver for player of the year because normally you got to vote for the guy who gets him the ball. There are certain circumstances where you, I mean, wide receivers have won the Heisman just a couple years ago. Smith from Alabama did, but I, I don't know. I think that he, there's still going to be certain people who are hesitant to vote for a wide receiver for player of the year. I think a lot of people are going to vote for Blake Corum. That would probably be my pick for Michigan simply because And this is nothing against Marvin Harrison, but we saw last year, Ohio State's best receiver hardly played at all. Jackson Smith and Jigba hardly played at all. And what happened? Another guy stepped up and became one of the best wide receivers in the country. That's what Ohio State does. They produce incredible wide receivers year in, year out. They have the best wide out room in the country. You could say the same again this year. And, And Harrison, God forbid, if he has something happen to him, but you know, let's say he, he tweaks an ankle Midseason just decides I'm going to be a top 10 pick. I don't need this anymore and opts out, which could happen. 
Ohio State's still going to be fine. They still have dudes who can make plays. No one as good as him, but guys that would start on probably every other team in the country. Whereas Michigan, sure, they have good running backs, but Blake Corum is the identity of that Michigan team. He and while yes, they've had they have a better quarterback than they've had in previous you know teams uh, and everything. And and there are other aspects of the team that I think makes Michigan special. I think Blake Corum is the best running back in the country. And for a team that's going to be a run first offense again, I think that that makes him probably the most valuable player heading into the season. Now there, there are other guys um, that I could see taking away this award later in the year, but that would probably be my big pick is Blake Corum. Drake may will probably be who I vote for, for ACC, but just to be different, you mentioned that the, the MVP normally goes to a team that makes it to the conference title game at the very least. I'm going to vote for the best player, offensive player, I should say, on I think the best team in the ACC, and that's Jordan Travis, the quarterback uh, for Florida State. I think that I just really liked what I saw from him in the back end of last season. Um, I, I think that he could be a sleeper for the Heisman Trophy. While everyone's talking about these three returning studs with May, Penix, and Caleb Williams, and deservedly so, I think they're all slam dunk first-round picks. I would be shocked if any of them go outside the top like 15. Uh, based off of what I saw from each of the three last year. Um, don't sleep on Jordan Travis. I think he has a chance to do something very special this year. But now let's talk about Pitt and Penn State. Um, first team recognition, offense and defense. Here are some guys that I have for Pitt. Let me know if you have anyone else. Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest uh, chance to get first team recognition here in the preseason poll, Abby, is none other than Ben Saltz. Yeah. The kicker uh, for for Pitt. Uh, I know some preseason publications are picking. I think the kicker from Virginia. I forget his name, uh, but I think Sauls has a good chance to not only be like first team All ACC, but maybe even be in the mix for a couple All American uh, considerations. He's going to be a weapon for Pitt this year, and we'll we'll keep it on the special teams front here for my second pick. I think MJ Devonshire has a very good chance to be the returner or all purpose pick, whatever you want to label it. I think he's the best returner return man in the country um, or not in the conference, or he's the best punt returner in the conference and one of the best in the country. So that's, those would probably be my two slam dunks. If I had to pick a couple of other guys, I think cradle might be in the mix for an offensive line selection, maybe Matt Gonclaves as well. Um, that would probably be it because, like I said, there's a lot of unproven. There's no superstar right now on this pit team. I think there will be at the end of the year, but these guys need to prove it. Do you have anyone else you want to add to that list for Pitt? You took my two slam dunks with uh, Sauls and Devonshire. Those are the two names I had written down, like, with stars next to their name. You know, some of the preseason hype I've seen. Matt Gonclaves, like you said, Jake Cradle on the lower end. Everywhere I've seen him has had him on, like, third or fourth third, team. yep. Um, but some other names that I noticed while doing research before this and that, that we've talked about, you've written about uh, Ronnie Hammond, Gavin Bartholomew, and then Kamara, Bengali Kamara. Did I say that right? I'm yep. still- um, are, are some other names just to, just to have in your head when you're watching the season. Um, but then when you look at Penn State, I'm going to take the two uh, slam dunks in my opinion. Um, Go ahead. Uh, you got Olu Fashanu. Mm-hmm. Uh, left tackle. I mean, he's one of the top offensive tackles in the country. He just, yeah. he's so good. He's expected to anchor the line uh, in front of Aller. I just, there's just 
it's hard to give him words because he's just such a dominant player that I'd yeah. be surprised if he um, didn't have another great season. Um, and then the other one is a uh, quarterback, Kalen King, for me. Um, I mean, when you look at his stats from last year, 30 tackles, three tackles for loss, three interceptions, um, 18 pass breakups. You know, he was hidden a little bit behind Joey Porter Jr. last year. And I think this is just his year to break out. I really think this is his year to step up and kind of lead the team. And I'd be shocked if he also isn't on there. Um, But those were my two from Penn State. Anyone else you had to add? Yeah, I I mean, Chop Robinson's a guy that I think could take a step up on the defensive line. And then they're they're the two young stars uh, who, you know, they're they're just sophomores. But I think you could say last year was maybe a breakout for both of them. But I think this year is where, you know, people from outside the Big Ten really start to learn their name and be more than familiar with them. That's Nick Singleton. Um, It's going to be tough for him to get – first team recognition just because there's so many good running backs in the big 10, but I wouldn't be shocked if Singleton got one of those two spots. Uh, And then Abdul Carter, the linebacker. I think if you're a talented linebacker and you show promise as an underclassman at Penn state, people are going to take notice. I wouldn't be shocked if he got himself uh, some first team recognition as well. So that's all I got. Abby, any final thoughts as uh, we wrap things up today? Nope. Nope. We're good. All right. Well, next time we'll be talking. I will be uh, in Charlotte. You will be covering the TBT uh, from the Zoo Crew playing in the basketball tournament, some basketball, some summer hoops action. So we'll have a lot to talk about. And until then, hit that subscribe all button if you haven't already. And keep tuning in to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.